Yes, my queen. <laughs> I love the hat. Happy New Year. I love the hat. I lo- oh, this is a hat. What is it? Like a crown. Yes, my crown. I got some hair. What about that? Yeah, I got some hair too. Look at this. <laughs> I can shake it, shake it. What you I do? Think- cut yours? No, I'll just cut it. I'll put it over. I'll call roll it over to the side. Oh, okay. So it's all going over one side. It looks a bit. People are like, "Oh, you got yeah." I was like, "No, man, it's just come roll down." Can't even see. How was your New Year's? Oh, terrible, boring. <laughs> it was really boring. Yeah, there was nothing to do. You know, like you know, we're all on lockdown. It's the same in America, I guess, and everywhere else. And um, much not allowed to shoot fireworks into the air. You weren't allowed to, um, like, go out. All you could do is eat. You oh. had to drink alcohol, actually. They were like, no alcohol. It's actually an alcohol ban. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, so... Queen. But, but people are not listening to it that... that so... Okay. Yeah. Well, we wasn't too... See, that was extreme. We, I guess it's probably why we uh, are still high in COVID. Because <laughs> we... <laughs> you guys aren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> because people are still traveling and walking around um we were we were at home we were at my friend's house and yeah. we enjoyed you know and we had uh, we usually get together like on thanksgiving time yeah thanksgiving time but this year we did the new year's and it was just like 10 of us Teddy. all hung out so we were under the 10 the 10 people limit oh you have a 10 people limit i, I thought it was yeah. like two isn't it like two households or something yeah, so it was like 10 people limit. So we just kind of just hung out and went the new year in, watched football and ate really good. And then we all went home. Like we go, and we played this game called, um, it's almost like categories, but it's telegory. So you like, um, you write on this tablet. So you have a, a word and yeah. then it goes around. And so you choose the word, but then the word, each person, now has to draw and it gets all discombobulated. It's like so char- we isn't that charades or something? Like charades, almost like charades, but you're <laughs> drawing it out. So everybody has, they start with their own board and then you go around six times. And then at the end, you see if everybody, you know, end up getting that secret word. Okay. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it don't. But it was <laughs> we were out to like, you know, to like four in the morning. So we came home on New Year's Day and watch my boys win LSU, baby. So we in the play, we in the champion. We're going to the ship. <laughs> okay, actually, I got a friend who's um, really big on the football. Actually, he sports the Arizona Cardinals. He's always telling me, yeah, they do. But the last of the weekend, I believe. Um, yes. I always liked the the Packers though. I always thought that Packers was a, a nice team. I don't know. I think it's because I watched a documentary. Yeah, because I watched a documentary on them one time and I thought, yeah, man, the Packers look nice. The Green Bay Packers. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Yeah, that was the old school. That was the old school dynasty. Now they're trash. They're trash. So now it's, um, it was good to see the Cleveland Browns come in and 
the Steelers, my Dallas Cowboys are back on the couch again for yeah. the since 1995. What are we gonna do about it? Uh, I just don't understand. <laughs> well, wait, actually, quick, quick question about that. The Dallas Cowboys—they're kind of a, they're kind of like a, an arrogant man um, football team. Like, it, they always kind of walk around like they're the best. Is that the persona of the uh, Dallas Cowboys? And that is the persona, but that's not what they're showing us. So no. since 1995, we get put out either at the end of the season or we get put out in the first round. Okay. So they picked up a uh, quarterback from the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Another trash. So Andy Dalton, Mama, if I can say the last three games, he did very well. So we were in contention of winning, and then we got put out um, Sunday by the Giants. So okay. it was like, really, really, really. <laughs> so it's like that whole NFC East was dumpster fire. It's a whole dumpster trash. And we're back on the couch. So I can't even show my tattoos, can't even, you know, cheer. I had to go put my little hurrah up, my little, uh, I think. Oh, yeah, I'll put it up. I have my little Dallas Cowboy flag out. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, back here in the back. It's like half, it's like, you know, half staff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, there. are you a Dallas Cowboy then? Is that your like NFL team? Yes. Oh, I thought- Living <laughs> breathe, my cowboy. Like, oh my God. I can't even talk trash. And okay. I talk trash, mass trash. <laughs> and now I have to take it all in again. Like, mm. and my husband, oh, like, listen. I mean, I, I, this guy, his name is um, Country Wayne. He mm-hmm. is uh, like an Instagram comedian. And like, I follow him and like, he literally tells us everything. Like mm-hmm. he makes my feeling when his, when his post of his Instagram, like that's how I'm feeling. Like, oh my God, I can't talk trash. I have to go sit somewhere on the couch, as we call it. You have to sit on the couch. Once you get put out, you got to sit on the couch. So okay. I've been on the couch since 1995. Oh man, okay. Like, like, I need some help. I need some gems. I need some nuggets. I need something for next year. because <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy but yeah one day i'm gonna um, sit down and watch i know they've got a couple of documentaries they've got the one about the cardinals they've got the rams i think on uh, okay. amazon they've got these documentaries about uh the football on the amazon you know amazon prime or whatever and they show like a season with one man one team one of them is the cardinals one of them is the ram i don't know if it's the packers too i don't know the steelers might be there too yeah, yeah they've got the okay. documentaries so i'm gonna sit down and watch them all and then once i really get into it I'll be back, man. I'll be back. I'll pick a proper team. I think I like I like the Packers because I like their history. But I think if I'm gonna have to pick one, yeah, you're gonna have to pick one. You can't have double teams. So in the states, yeah, you just only one. can have one. Just one, yeah. One okay. NFL. Well, I have a small little cover. Like I love the Ravens because of Ray Lewis. So mm-hmm. that's like my little personal team, my little cute team. So that when my Dallas Cowboys get put out, then I jump over and I jump ship and I go back to the Ravens. So now I'm a Ravens fan right now. So, but I think we might be on the couch too. So I, I don't get no love because I hate the Steelers. I, I don't like the Browns, even though I'm from Ohio, my Browns are about that business, but I still don't like them. But maybe <sighs> I, should take a, I should take a team out of Los Angeles, actually like Oakland or something. Yeah, you know what? I like I like the Oakland Raiders, you know, because again, their fans are crazy. I'm all about the sports fanatic, and yeah. that's what they are. I mean, they are like Dallas Cowboys. We're arrogant, and because we think we're the American team, the uh, <laughs> Raiders they like the thugs. They like the thugs of the yeah. Area. That's what that's what I want to be. Only part of those guys, <laughs> the thugs. <laughs> they're the thugs. So they're like literally like. 
throwing things, like jumping over the, the, the banister. Like they're always like, there's some type of fight, like beer throwing. Like my friend, he lives in, um, in Oakland. And he said that when Richard Sherman would play, he was like, it would be banana. Like everybody would be in the black and silver paint. Like everybody came together. Like, that's what I love. Like that craziness. And you don't mess with the Raiders. So I would always hate to go play them. So when they play, I just like to go and see because they're always going to end up fighting. Always going to end up fighting. <laughs> nah, it's supporting them. It's always a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's supporting them. <laughs> I, I think so, yes. maybe the Rams. The Rams is probably your team because because they like um, are, are owned by my um, my football team's chairman owns the Rams. So I could just go for the you know keep the allegiance and stay with the Rams. <laughs> And the Rams is playing really good this year. Really? Yeah, they've got a nice stadium. I heard a brand new stadium. Yeah, finance from our football team, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah they're in the wild card this weekend against Seahawks. That's going to be a great game. It's at 4 o'clock. That's going to be one of the best games. There's a couple. There's about, yeah, there's three other games um, that's going to be played on, sa- on mm. Saturday. And that's one of them. That okay. Rams and Seahawks. So, yeah, they're 10 and 6. So, who knew the Rams would be 10 and 6? Be in contention for playoff season, like what? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, anyway, um, what I want to talk about today was, um, obviously the impact that this coronavirus is pretty much having on schools. I was your teacher, you've explained that to us before. You're doing like Somalian, you're teaching Somalian kids and stuff like that. Yes, um, I'm what, what I was thinking, what, what did I ask? Asked, well, sorry, I gotta put this question, I'm on another page. I thought I had the question actually in one second, please. Topic, 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 topic. Oh, yeah. So basically, what I was saying was um, because of the way COVID has kind of impacted the schools and the school systems, and we all agree that the system is very much out of date, isn't it? The school systems are so out of date. They're from a time when well, when people weren't that smart, they were, the school system was basically created when there was no internet, there's no access to like easy information. You know, uh, teachers used to have a lot more power. The kids were a lot more obedient. So I'm thinking to myself, would it be a time now? Because like, like for example, in in um in in England, you can homeschool. I guess in America, you can homeschool, can't you? Um, but in Kenya, can you homeschool in America? Yes, you can homeschool, but there is now a criteria for you to homeschool. Okay. It's not um, like before where I would say like maybe the 90s, even 2000s, you were allowed to just homeschool without any type of, like a parent would just say, I'm going to shout out and start start homeschooling. Now you have to have a bachelor's degree. You got to have so many school hours. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have, um, you know, recommendations. Okay. So there's like different criteria um, that you have to now perform just a home. It's not that easier. It's not that easy um, fix that it used to be, and yeah. which is now that, that problem now as we're now virtual. So mm-hmm. a lot of parents don't want to bring their kids back because in the states, especially in Ohio, they're looking at bringing the kiddos back between mid-January and February, March to yeah, bring okay. them back into the class. Yeah, which is optimistic, I must say. You know, 
Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah. So I'm thinking, should they be able to, should the changes, should they look at this time and say, you know what, look, let's change the school system. Like, for example, introducing more homeschooling possibilities. I mean, what you've just explained to me is basically you have to be a teacher. You know, you have to have a, a degree to be a homeschool teacher, like basically to homeschool your kids, where most people yeah. don't have that. But maybe you have to give uh, parents the access you know, maybe have a more guided form of teaching. So basically they say, okay, this is where you, like on the portal online, like I pretty much guess how you do it. You have a log website where you log in, you follow the kind of curriculum and the parents are kind of just there to guide the kids as opposed to, okay, you have to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you know? Because I think, um, this, like I said, the system that we've been living up for a long time, especially the way it's set out to not really promote what you're good at as opposed to pump out machines to click buttons, you know, not, it doesn't bring like the system doesn't really produce critical thinkers anymore. Like it used to, it's just like, can this guy follow rules and can he push a button on a, on a, on a machine? And once you can do that, you get a degree. But the moment you're a little bit more like, no, I want to be creative. I want to go off a bit on the left. They're like, no, we don't want you. So they put you, they dump you straight into the, the crap classes or they kick, get you kicked out of school for expel, right. expulsion etc so um i don't know i just want to know what do you think do you think this will be a time for us to step back a little bit i think they're going to do that anyway i think they're going to with this covid thing they're going to be like okay things are kind of messed up let's revamp everything let's change the system i think? think it has without us even having to you know again when we all went home in march of last mm. year the world yeah. changed and again, mm. I've, I've been saying this for like maybe the last nine months, um, COVID flatlined education. Yeah. Because again, most of us, especially in the States, we were brick and mortar. We were, you know, in the classroom setting. And, yeah. you know, in the last, maybe say the last 10 years, a lot of the, you know, they say, in, you know, in statistics that U.S. was like third in the nation when it came to education, maybe four. So, because in the other countries, you know, education was already um, virtual, like in China, because I know I have many friends who have actually have been working, you know, virtual with Chinese, with Chinese students, mm -hmm. where we would work in a different time zone, they were working just like we're doing now virtual, they were learning a, a second language, which would be our language. So I think with the community, you know, just how it is, in most school districts, especially like the bigger school districts, like the school district that I live in, school districts like in New York and Atlanta that have like maybe 50,000 students per mm -hmm. se, it doesn't, it's not just education anymore. You now have students, I'm sorry, you now have teachers, you have bus, you know, buses. How can you effectively put these students in a community environment, which is what it really is, a community yeah. environment. When you get on the bus, when they get off the bus, when they're in the lunchroom, you know, when they're in their classroom, they're in a community um, environment. And just that spreading, that threshold of, of increased cases, because mm -hmm. it's not the kids per se, it's the adults mm -hmm. that they're like the super spreaders. So mm -hmm. again, statistics say that, you know, on a seven day average, about 9.3 kids get, you know, catch COVID, but mm -hmm. a lot of times they catch it is because their parents catch it or they're in environments where they're adults and yeah. that's what's cool. And that's where um, it's rising. That's why schools have closed because they can't, you know, a lot of them are not equipped to have their students in a, you know, most of them are in close proximity like myself. I have mm -hmm. 20 kids in my, student, in my class. 
and yeah. having them in close proximity, there's a lot of school districts that don't have that. Uh, they, they don't, they're not able to do that, able to mm -hmm. keep them safe, keep that infection down, keep the, you know, just even having contact down. So that's why a lot of, you know, a lot of schools have closed and there's a lot of them that have remained open. And what I like, you know, what I say is that it's sad that you start to see the, um, the differentiated of schools. Mm -hmm. No. You know, the, uh, the, the gentrification of, of students mm. based off where they live. Like for me, it really showed parents, constituents, communities. It showed leaders, not just mm. in your own city, not even where you live. It was across the board of what an educator really goes through on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what mm. COVID really does. Mm. And now they have to now um, deal with these issues that they kind of probably like skimmed over, you mm. know, and didn't even really talk about because they were in the classroom. Yep. So like financial, no stability, making sure kids are safe when it comes to eating breakfast and lunch, you mm. know, like the school program, making sure they have proper technology, making yep. sure they have qualified teachers. So a lot of that event happened with COVID. And again, I am glad that there's a new administration that's coming aboard there's mm -hmm. a teacher that is in the you know what i'm saying when you have teachers somebody who's already dealing with this who has been dealing with this for years or this is their passion in their life mm -hmm. it brings a different type of conversation to educators to school districts to you know what is happening with covid and how it's changing our children are now saying one to two years behind oh. wow thinking um I'm, I'm just checking some of the statistics um, the, um, I know that um, I believe it's Finland they have a really good system um, where they have less students in the class but also don't have them in different graded like classes for example um, they don't have it like the best students going to this class and the middle students going to this class and the people who are considered a bit more slower going to this class they have them all together and they don't have any um, I believe I, I Pretty sure it's it's one of the Scandinavian countries. I'm pretty sure it's Finland or, or Norway or somewhere, and they um they don't they got rid of like tests. They got rid of test results like at the end of the school year, and it showed that the the, the people were always producing the same once the test the pressure of tests were taken away, you know, so that that might be something to to go off you know and follow that that kind of system for for schooling. I believe. And then too, also it's um, a financial also, you know, you got to yeah. think about the financial piece that adds to it. Because again, when it started, like the first case was back in December, 2019, just think it didn't even touch the U.S. until three months later. Mm. And then when it did, you know, touch U.S., it was full blown. So no. again, because the symptoms are a lot of, you know, even for myself, I think that my children, my grandchildren probably had it back in that time and that period of November, December, mm. because okay. my children were definitely ill with all these symptoms, but there okay. was no name for them. They just used it as an upper respiratory infection. So when you think about kids that are in school and teachers in school, what is the most, you know, super spreader is kiddos. It is kids. Yeah. They still, come to school. they still come to school. But also mm. what I say that financial piece is that most countries, they have the money, you know, to 
be able to stay at home. That's the thing right now that's happening with COVID-19 versus, you know, from what I, this is my opinion, looking from the United States and then the countries, they are now being able to have money, financial stability mm. to now say, okay, if I lost my job today, the government is paying me these X amount of dollars to stay at home. So yeah. now I'm able to teach. Now I'm able to go back to school. Now I'm able to, you know, horn in or support my children mm -hmm. um, even further in their virtual studies because I am now at home versus here in the United States, we're getting $600. That's my, yeah. that's not even, even the poorest, you know, the poorest um, family of four income, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Not even for housing. So when you look at the financial aspect, parents have to still continue to go to school. So mm -hmm. that means that our kiddos are being home, left at home alone, even from high school. So, you know, there's not really, it's, it's just been really hard to handle. You know mm -hmm. how I'm saying? Like they talk about the financial piece and oh, in the world and your job aspect, they have a whole, a handle on it, but nobody's talking about education. Yeah. You know, they will get 60 minutes. They had a, um, an episode three weeks ago and they were talking about in Florida, there were 7,000 children that were missing from school this year. Wow. 7,000 are in our school district alone is 66% of kids across mm. are missing from school. So yeah. think about how many kids that is and just in a school district of maybe 45 or 50,000. That's yeah. maybe what 5,000, maybe yeah. 10,000, 15,000 kids that are missing because their parents are either at work. If their parents are at home, they don't know, you know, how to navigate computers, Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So you navigating cell phones are different from navigating a Chromebook or a tablet, yeah. you know, when you have to complete work. And that's where the, uh, the diversity and the disconnect comes between, yeah. you know, families and the infraction of families and, and, and colorism in mm -hmm. the cultures based, you know, just on those four alone yeah. kind of has changed COVID and, you know, it's, we don't see it anytime soon, even changing, you know, even if these students still go back to school, they've mm. lost so much yeah. schooling. So yeah. I think that's actually, it's interesting that you said that. Cause I think, um, I think especially among the African, African American community, you know, um, they're the ones who, when something like this happens, we're the ones who suffer the most, you know, because, <laughs> You know, we don't have the most of our, like most of us anyway, the adults are not that educated. And then we're going to yeah. try and educate our kids who are not that bothered about it because they already seen that it's not going to work out for them, you know? So they're, they're most likely going to say, I'm just going to be a rapper or go to sports or something, you know, the typical stuff. So, um, yeah, I can imagine that something like this really hits home. And then, and then look at the financial element. We don't make that much money anyway, most of us, you know, compared to our European or Caucasian uh, counterparts. So, yeah, and I think that the fact that um, they only gave $600 to each American, although, you know, actually I'm complaining because where I live in Germany, obviously, and also in England, they didn't really give us anything, to be fair. They didn't, they didn't really say, look, here you go. Here's $600 or $1,000 to get, get you over. I didn't see nothing like that. Some families got something. For, for example, when you had kids, they gave each kid $200, I think. So if you had a kid, you got some money, but if you didn't have no kids, you was on your own. So, but therefore we have the, we have the social system in place, which if you lose your job, you can go there and they're going to pay you. But the fact that you guys got, I mean, that's, that's where you guys lack. I think you, you guys have a, no, you guys just have food stamps, isn't it? Just have food yeah, stamps. they do. Like they have food stamps and, you know, they have rental assistance, but that's yeah. backed up. 
So, I mean, again, you know, from the teacher's perspective, it was where a lot of the teachers were, um, they were not prepared. They're mm-hmm. very worried. Even now, you know, when you talk about these, the teacher advocates and, and you, again, talk about the financial piece that attaches to education, mm-hmm. you see the disconnect and you see the disenfranchise of uh, color or even different cultures versus our counterpartners. Yeah. And again, you really started to see just how involved in those challenges and how difficult it was for people of color with COVID. Not yeah. even catching COVID, it's just being where your job got shut down. Yep, your yep. child now had to be home. And you got to think about most families have at least one or two children. Even one or two children changes the game if they're under kindergarten, you can't leave them at home. So yeah. oftentimes you find those, you know, where it's like, wow, I cannot leave my home because now my kids are going to be at home. So now you are forced to leave jobs that you might have had for five or 10 years because now you have to choose. Like, that's what I, you know, I hear from families that I talk to all the time. It's like, Miss mm-hmm. Kelly, hey, I gotta, you know, choose. So a lot of parents chose to stay home. Mm-hmm. So now that money is gone. So now you're yeah. now depending back on job family services benefits where you were now getting off of it or didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Now you're being forced to be back on it. And then you're only getting a limited amount of time to be on it. But it's like this vicious cycle that, yeah. you know, people of color and um, disenfranchised, you know, um, families who are undocumented or mm. are coming to this country and who are not citizens, they're disenfranchised, especially when yeah. education, again, they don't have the education. They're mm. not able to help their child. So yeah. then their child is family, you know, yeah. because that teacher was the pillar. That teacher was in the classroom with that mm. everyday today, you know, everyday today, you know, duties. And being with that child and helping them grow and learn versus now when we're at home, they're at home, their mm. environment is not all that good, you know, yeah, yeah. from the beginning. So it's just, um, it's just fostering um, a lot of anxiety. Now mm. mental wellness and mental yep. health is now crashing. Yep. People are committing suicide. Kids are committing suicide because their home life was already at an all time, you know, there was discord, you know. It was not a good environment. And now mm. I have to be in this environment every day, all day. Yeah. So it doesn't just, you know, so what I tell to people and, and, and share is, you know, I really sympathize for families because in, in kids, because now they're in the environment that are not good. Mm. And, you know, uh, they didn't know what a home cooked meal was. Their meals were the breakfast and the lunch. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yep. now having to find out how to, you know, fine breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Where, Different. where that family, even even parents, you know, even I always say, you know, people think they're, they're rich. The rich has actually have, you know, they're now, it's been difficult and challenges for them because those, those you know, counterpartners, black and white, they had, you know, their money wasn't a paycheck. They were entrepreneurs or a small business owner. They were, mm. you know, owners of businesses that have closed because they can't sustain themselves. So it's yeah. just been like this full circle of, of this pandemic that has really flatlining, you know, from education and now it has trickled over into others. And then it again goes back into this vicious cycle. Yeah. It's really crazy because um it's it's like it's like a way a tidal wave that's just coming. And just like you said, just took everybody like out, really. Yeah. But do you think um 
Like, especially, like, because I always worry about the, the the black, obviously the black youth, because I always feel like they've got more tendency. I mean, I'm sure the white youth mm-hmm. do that too, but the black youth especially have got a tendency to go out there and maybe join a gang or something, you know, and get messed yeah. up, get, get mixed up in all kinds of rubbish, you know. You think this COVID thing will have a knock-on effect? You think that's going to rise? Because look, think about it. If you're living in a house, which is not good, it's a broken home, Papa's probably not there, you know, mom's probably had enough. And then you got, you know, obviously you're there and you've, you're going through this pandemic, you think you're probably not listening anyway. You're not like, I'm going to stay in the house. I'm going to go out anyway. And then you're going to go and do some stupid things. Do you think that's going to increase now? Do you think that's a proper, real problem that we're going to have to face after all this is said and done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it is because um, the pandemic hit those hard-hit neighborhoods, you know? And not just African-American, but low-income white people, low-income you know, again, undocumented workers, low-income um, Africans, just anybody that was this, you know, this proportion, mm. it hit those neighborhoods hard because those are the families that I call essential workers. Yeah, those are workers, as we call those blue. Those essential workers are in essence blue-collar workers. Yeah, you work to get a paycheck. So when you don't work, you don't get a paycheck. Mm. So in those hard-hitting neighborhoods, you know, you're monitoring. You know, you're seeing the disenfranchise of these students in high numbers, mm-hmm. not so much the cases being reported because they're getting tested more because they're essential workers. They're your grocery store, you're your, you know, your garbage people. They mm-hmm. are your, you know, your uh, customer service reps. They are your clerks in the stores, clerks in the clothing stores. They're your mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. Those essential workers are still out there. So in some ways, I think the numbers sometimes I feel are, you know, skewed, uh, miscued because, you know, in those hard hitting neighborhoods, you know, the numbers are going to be up because those families are getting tested more. Yeah. No, you know, no. That job might, like if you're in a warehouse, I know like a warehouse that my friends work at, they're getting tested two or three times a week. Mm. So when you talk about those people in that, in that area, in that community, those numbers are going to be high because mm. those essential workers are getting tested at a higher rate than a family uh, that might live in a suburban area. So, mm. you know, when you think about that and just, again, some schools are in person, you know, and just trying to keep up with this quarantine, you know, a lot of <laughs> our families don't have PP kits. They don't have, you know, um, hand sanitizer and masks and gloves. Yeah, it's expensive stuff. <laughs> yeah, premium on everything now. <laughs> you think about it when you go in the store and you add up what it would cost to get a small thing, a small bottle of hand sanitizer, uh, a pack of masks, and some gloves. You're talking about $20. Yeah. <laughs> maybe 30 Yeah. And that's at a dollar store. So that's a, that, that's with a that meal. The family, and that's where the schools were at. The schools were able to provide that for that mm. student when they were in person. But when yeah. we went remotely, those kiddos are now being exposed to parents coming home because they don't have masks, they don't have hand sanitizer, they don't have proper bags and gloves. So it's just, you know, again, those high school districts that are in those hard hitting neighborhoods Mm. are getting flatlined because, you know, they're, they're not, they're being mandated to, to continue to go to work. So then these classes are being quarantined, buildings are closed to keep safe, but then education, you know, falls because, our kiddos don't have proper Wi-Fi. Our kiddos don't, I don't, doesn't matter. If you have four children on a hotspot, 
somebody's not getting on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so those are just so many technicalities that even happen just in your own household. Mm. You know, parents don't have, you know, uh, Wi-Fi. They have hotspots, you know, like your phone or small, mm. some little, small, little, you know, um, hotspot. Uh, it's like a mechanism. wireless, isn't it? Wireless wi- uh, wi- Wi-Fi um, router thing. Like, I was doing some research when I was Mm. Yeah, it's expensive. Laptop, they use, you know, iPad. They don't have that funds to to get Wi-Fi, to get Mm. wireless, as you say. So Mm. they're depending on hotspots, depending on, you know, and that's not um, giving you all what you need, especially Mm. if you're at three or four kids. I apologize, my dog is like losing it. They're like working outside our yard. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like the dog watcher, like the neighborhood really? watcher. <laughs> he lets anyone know the criminals are coming. Oh, I can tell you one thing. You better not step nowhere in this hundred yard radius of our house. Because the dog watcher, there's no, he's going to light this whole house up. Yeah, so it it's like they're doing work outside on our street and he's losing his mind. I'm just yeah. like, dude. So all day long today, I was teaching. I got all this barking in my videos or barking on my audio because <laughs> he's he, going nuts. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it doesn't sound like a very big dog, though. It sounds like a small no, dog. No, he's a small dog. He's a Maltese and Bichon. Okay. <laughs> but his but his bark is foolish. It's, it's out of control at some day. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have it because he'll let you know. Yeah. But for him to be a small dog, I'm like, oh, my God. Stop this loud barking. <laughs> no, like, you hear it. Like, rah, rah, like, like yeah. what are you doing? And you get this little body. Like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got a um, one-year-old daughter and she's like going through a phase where she's just crying all the time and she's crying all the time. Oh, I can't take <laughs> it no more. I want to throw her out the window. <laughs> wanna, that, this just... is what he looks like. So this is snow. I was a cute dog, man. That's a that's a cute yes, dog. I got a cute dog, but my goodness, is bark and goodness. And then he knows that my daughter, when they go to work, mm-hmm. he does that same to that whining and crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, listen, they have him so spoiled, right? So that when they leave, it's like dealing with a kid. Yeah. Running around the house whining and crying. I'm like, listen, y'all gotta get back here. I gotta get back here to y'all's dog. <laughs> I love dogs, man. I just can't trust it to get one, man, because I'm like, it's going to be bothering me the whole time. I'm going to end up having to walk it. You know, it's going to be messing up my house. You know, I'm just like, no, nah, man. I, can't, I really would want one as well, but I just know that there's a lot of, there's very so many more positives than negatives, but these few negative things, I'm just like, oh, man. Those negatives are game changers. Like, yeah, we've yeah, always that's... had cats in our house. We've always grew up with cats. My dad had uh, um, dogs when I left home. But I've always had cats when I was growing up. And then I had a cat with my children. So yeah. our cat passed away in 2014. So mm. we was like, we want to get, you know, we want to get a pet. And so my, um, this lady that we knew was getting rid of dogs. And she told us it was like a teacup. She's like, oh, the dog is going to stay small. Absolutely not. I thought I was getting a Yorkie <laughs> and ended up getting a Maltese and Bichon. The that only thing small. about this dog is that it's hyperallergenic. So it doesn't have that dermit. It doesn't shed. 
and he doesn't bite. I mean, he will nip you if you play with him, but he's like a kid, like a literally a kid. So he'll be five in February and okay. they have him. Run. So they carry him around like a, a baby. Really? And in the handbag and stuff? <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing about him. It's like he is, a, a, those type of dogs are like kids, like literally kids. You got to feed them the right way. Um, he has seizures, so you can't give him like real food, only a little bit of table food because he uh, does have seizures. So again, uh, yeah, sometimes those cons outweigh the pros. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've got just two two questions to ask you quickly. Um, first of all, okay. it's probably... Do you think it's important to change? I think you guys, not just the school system, I think in America there's a general problem with your system that's there. I think after this COVID, it would be very necessary for America to, to implement new ways to protect its citizens, you know? Because I think with America, like for example, with this pandemic, what you've seen is a lot of people get left behind and that's what you're going to see that once everything's over, you're going to see that a lot of people being left behind and there's a lot of people going to be way ahead. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking, what do you think will be the most important thing to do? Obviously, in respect to the system, once everything's gone back to normal, I think I can tell you like maybe healthcare. You definitely guys need a good healthcare system set up and maybe something like a, a social system where you guys get like a basic level of survival, like let's say benefits, which you guys would say you got food stamps, but I think food stamps doesn't cut it really. And that's not, not a good thing. I think you need more than that. What do you think? Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be an overall uh, overhaul. Um, yeah. Again, you know, just with our new administration, just across the world, it doesn't just affect us. You know, yeah. this COVID, you know how when you had Ebola and you had like the swine flu, like, mm. you know, it kind of like hit certain countries. This is like the one, it's like two different, you know, there's a couple strands out there. I yeah. think just overall, like just like 1 million cases, like just in our um, country alone mm. and it grows every day. So it has to be, you know, I, I know for sure we'll probably be wearing masks probably into the end of 2021. Yeah, Just for safety reasons, you know, um, again, I just thinking about me being a small business owner and being in education, you know, for ones who literally this is their livelihood are still going to be affected even mm. this year because it's, it has not, um, it has not been able to uh, flatline or sustain themselves to where the numbers have went down. Mm. So, but people are still traveling because some, there's some cities, some states in our country that are not as bad as others. So just to slow that spread, they're like, you know, I still say we're going to be wearing masks. We'll probably still be six feet apart. A lot of events we probably won't have, if not none at all. No. Um, they're still wanting you to avoid crowds. I think that's why um, going outside and people think when we travel is a great thing because you don't have to be inside of a, you know, inside of a building or in a home. You could kind of be outside and work out and, um, and you know, and just be able to still keep yourself at a distance mm. um and i think also too just for the elderly you know you know it's still going to be where we're um not going to be able to see those people who have um, immune systems you know weakened immune systems and um mm. healthcare workers are going to still and first responders are still going to be critical to you know the the maintaining of COVID 19 and you know 
It's just people are at risk. If you go outside, you're at risk. So it's, you know, I'm not sure. You know, a lot of people say it's the vaccine, you know, that's what, but, you know, then people are still getting COVID because of the vaccine. Just like when you caught the flu, when you took the flu shot, you would catch the flu. So I'm not sure. Um, I just know that COVID, I never thought I would see something like this in my lifetime. I've already mm. always heard about it or we always saw it on the news from other countries. And I think that's another reason why it has hit so hard. Because administration didn't do that part, didn't do that due diligence when it first came to us from other countries that were already being affected and they were, you know, locking down the country, locking down borders. We were still up until like maybe six months ago, we're still traveling and and we still are, but not to the capacity that we were. Mm. And so I think it's just going to be still a test. You know, I don't think we're going to go back in August virtual i think we're going to go back to school virtual and some type of hybrid blended learning but i don't think we will go back um to full some school districts will um if they have it that's going to that's going to be also again of those high um those high low income neighborhoods those neighborhoods probably will still be um virtual for the remaining of this year, the remaining probably the end of going to the next school year, because they just don't have the capability to keep those teachers safe. Because that's the main thing when you talk about education, it's the teachers. The teachers are scared. The teachers don't want to get sick. Most of these teachers have had someone be sick or die. So Mm. once you understand what that looks like, they don't want to put themselves in harm's way. So a lot of school districts use their union to keep them at home. They know them staying at home leaves their students, you know, kind of like waving in the wind because they know they're not able to get what they need. Mm-hmm. But that's where you have to realize, you know, most teachers that I've heard or say and post and I've seen across Facebook and social media and newspapers is like, I'm worried about my own family. If yeah. I, I catch this, I'm going to take you home to my family. So for the 2020, you know, it was 2021. I think there's going to be another year of us just wearing your mask. Yeah. Staying you know, close proximity, you know, if you travel, you know, just make sure you quarantine yourself when you come back, you know, just making sure that you're keeping safe and, you know, and and I think, you know, school will be in some type of blended and hybrid learning, which mm-hmm. is still new. That's still yeah. that synchronous learning and that, you know, and what that looks like, you know, has changed from month to month where a lot of, where a lot of school districts um, across the United States and even across the globe are literally, you know, there's some school districts that are staying out for the remaining of the school year. And then there are some that are bringing them back. But then that all goes back to financial. Like, is that school district financially um, set to bring Mm -hmm. those kids back with dividers, you know, just with those, um, with all that, with all that, you know, preventable measures that's what i'm gonna say preventable measures to keep those kids safe and keep those teachers safe then on the other side your urban school districts and school districts that are like in low income and low performing school districts don't have those opportunities so those kids are suffering the most because the teachers want to be in there but they're not they're not because the the school is not equipped they're not financially equipped to handle and they don't have the technology you know so it's just a catch-22 it is sad you know when you think about it like this is where our world is you can't even pinpoint one country 
every part of this world has been touched by COVID. Yeah. Not as much as other. Like my girlfriend just came from Nigeria and she said they had it. But when you went into the city, it, the numbers were higher mm. because they were working, you know, the counterpart, their, our counterpartners were other workers mm. versus where she was at, which was in their native country in the countryside and, you know, the huts and, you know, just those small um, communities or small, um, yeah, communities. Yeah, they, like a village. Yeah, those villages. That's what I was saying. Those villages, it you didn't see COVID. Yeah. And they were saying because they're not um, around it. You yeah. know, everything that they do was from the earth. Everything from, you know, first from the land. You yeah. know, from you growing your crops, you know, making your own clothes and selling your own things in your own community, in your own village, what you yeah. speak, what you say. So you was not um, around in those public settings so much because in your village, you all were together. So if no one had it, it's because, you know, those goods and services were being sold right with you and not going into the city. So that was, you know, was intriguing to um, to talk about that with her, yeah. about her, you know, her trip over there and to see how things were so different than being here. Mm-hmm. It's also like um, Tanzania, they um, stopped testing after the, the prime minister, they did a test. He swabbed a one animal, I think it was a goat, and he swabbed a papaya fruit or some sort of fruit and sent the tests off and came back positive. And after that, he said, we we don't believe in this whole thing. And um, basically, uh, we declare our country corona-free. And since then, like, if you look at any, like, statistics website where it shows you corona, look at um, Tanzania's, what it says on the Tanzania. And they say their medical, they've stopped collecting data because of their... Um, their doctor, one of their medical facilities out of order to collect it. So until that's fixed, they won't be collecting any more data. And that's it. <laughs> they just put it into, just put it into pause mode. And uh, I saw a video of a guy who's actually there at the moment. And he was like, here, it's just, just paradise. It's like the old days, you know, like the good old days. And I was actually, yeah. I've been actually looking for a flight now. Cause I'm like, you know what? I can stay here and suffer or I can go away in two weeks. I'm going to Tanzania. I'm going to spend three or four weeks there and go and chill out. You know what I mean? In the in the African sun, ah, and I'll be looking at yes. I'll be looking I at know. I'll be looking at Facebook like, oh, <laughs> we still got Corona down there. Good night. <laughs> I just delete and that. And that's how she was. She was there for two weeks. She was like, there was no, there was no coronavirus. And she said, I was in the sun. I woke up eating some good, you know, yeah, good, good food, my dad. Nigerian food. I was in the beach. She was in, they were all in the water. She had showed us a picture of when they were in their town and they were driving around. And she was like, yeah, like they're, like you said, their top um, causes of death was in COVID. It was like, you know, um, famine probably. Baby, baby disorders. Baby, okay. Yeah, baby disorders, you know, and lower respiratory infections, HIV. Malaria, yeah. you know, stroke, diabetes, those type were like causes of death. But COVID was, like she said, was nowhere, apart, you know. Nowhere to be seen. I was like, what? Like, wow. Like that infant mortality rate was, you know, was high there. But but she said, you know, they, she said she had two weeks of enjoying, you know, they do a lot of testing. Mm. You getting there, but you don't have to uh, quarantine. Yeah. Like that 18 year old did, you know, she yeah. went over to that to the country and I think it was what, the Bahamas or some other, you know, um, tropical country. Yeah. And she now was in jail for two months because she 
you know, then abide by the rules. And I think that's too awesome. I think about, I always say, when you go, especially now, it makes you start to realize, like, what is they saying? Like, you know what? I might not be going, you know, because, like, in L.A., in in Ohio, not L.A., Ohio, but in L.A. and California, Mm -hmm. you have to quarantine yourself for 10 days. Doesn't matter if you are in a hotel or are you going to visit family? Like, who is going to another city to stay in a house for 10 days? Yeah, yeah, it's killing no, it, I'm gonna stay at home. Like, not even, that's, what they, that's why they moved the, uh, it was the Sugar Bowl to Arlington because, and you know, the Rose Bowl, they moved the Rose Bowl to Arlington, Texas, which is the Dallas Cowboys Stadium because yeah. LA was like, no one's coming to our city unless you live here. You're not yeah, going, yeah. you're going to quarantine for 10 days. And it's been like all over the news. And so people, I'm in this travel group and they went. Um, over the holiday break, and they were quarantined for ten days. Okay, and so they were like, "Was a wasted trip." But I'm like, we, "They already told you on the news, yeah, that, yeah. You know, and in different areas and on the social media that if you come to LA, you are going to quarantine yourself for ten days. That's not even, that's not even the city I'm trying to go and visit. Ten yeah. days, ten days. You know what? Actually, I'm looking at a map here. Um, and the places that seem like you should go to is like Oregon, you know, unless, unless you start of Portland, but if you go to Oregon, there's no Corona there. Utah, Utah is good. Some parts of Colorado is nice. Uh, I don't know where that is. That must be a part of a certain place in New Mexico. I mean, there's some places where you can go where you'll be kind of Corona free. Yeah. yeah sort of, sort of. But I'd rather just go to Africa, but I think if you can, just get to Africa. You'll be fine down there. <laughs> You'll be fine. That, yeah, that sun, like, that sun will take out Corona. So I can get that melon on us. Yeah, melon. yeah. <laughs> just, just one last question before we wrap up. Um, do you are you aware of Dr. Umar Johnson? No. You don't know Umar Johnson? Okay, he's a, um, he's a Pan Africanist, and he's really interested in trying to make a a solely African American school, a school for African American kids so they can be educated properly and taught their true history you know and bring it forward uh, really pro- positive guy obviously you get to be a slack obviously you always get a bit of slack when you try and do something like that but uh, i suggest you check him out um, i was just thinking what would you think about that like them maybe if we could get together and open a solely african african-american school would that be a good thing or you know what it would you know because in in the United States, we have African-American schools or HBCU schools in the college. Mm-hmm. Um, there are African, I mean, not a school per se, that's all African-American, but there, I know there's four African-American boarding schools that is here. Um, you know, you have Piney Wood School, you have, um, it's gone, I'm sorry, it's Redemption Christian Academy. These are all like African-American. I would be, you know, that was, that's one of my dreams is to open up a, African-American school, all African-Americans. And, you know, again, with me being an African-American, being a woman, um, when I was growing up, it was in the 70s. And the backstory is that we were only taught from our counterparts, from from Caucasian perspective. So we didn't, you know, just for myself, we really didn't get to know what our history was until we got into like the high school, middle school and high school and started to do your own research. And a lot of it's because now you have like Google and you have all these other social media outlets as well as a lot of students, you know, like a lot of my friends, they went to HBCU schools. Like my daughter, she's there now at an HBCU school, which is a historical black um, college university. 
Yeah, HBCU. Historical Black College Universities. And with her attending, that was what she said, like her first year when she um, finished school, she was like, mom, like I have um, opened my eyes to my culture, my blackness, my, you know, my worth, um, just being taught by black teachers, Mm. you know, being educated on perspectives, being educated on history that was never talked about. Cause we had, we talked about Dr. Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, you know, uh, you know, the just, me, you know, small, I'm gonna say small, but you just those same African American um, stereotypes. Stereotypes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, even for me, you know, becoming a teacher, it opened my eyes to what there was so much history, like, and it wasn't, you know, they it was reliable history, like reliable information. Mm-hmm. And becoming a teacher allows you to have that variety and mm-hmm. get to learn. And yes, I think, it, you know, it would be awesome that our kiddos from kindergarten to 12th grade would learn our history and not just the slavery part. Yeah, you know, you yeah that's it. That, you know, there was indigenous slaves that were here, not yeah. just the Indians, yeah. there was slaves. Like there is a, a show that's out called Bridgerton and it's on Netflix from Shonda Rhimes. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I'm literally, have you watched it? I tried to watch a little bit of it, but... uh you know, it's, <laughs> I just, it is, you know, it gives a perspective that, you know, things that our parents did talk about, like mm-hmm. Dutchess and there were Queens that were black. And just even though when you talk about, you know, Africa, yeah. um, this is what I'll say about Somali, like my students, they know their history. Yeah. They know their village. They know where they came from. They know their native language. They know their tribe. They know who their, you know, their, their superiors are. They know who is over the tribe, you know what I'm saying? Over their tribe, they know who those hierarchies are versus mm-hmm. African-Americans, we don't know. Like all our information and history is like all spread around. It's just like, you know, oh, you were slaves. You came here from Africa and you came from here. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have those stereotypical, um, you know, black African historians. Like yeah. again, Rosa Parks, black, you know, um, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You know, those mm-hmm. are the same ones that you hear every single year. Yeah. And so for me, having a black school, yes, because now I can teach my children and teach my students yeah. information, education that, you know, these historians are talking about that you're yeah. finding out now at 40, 50 years old, like in the educational spirit instead of just, you know, in your history books, talking about where you were, you know, a slave and you came here on the boat and, yeah. you know. Which is not oh, true, oh. is it? Because I think a lot of the black people are actually already in America who they took as slaves. Just like, like for example, when you think of the natives, um, a lot of these guys were possibly black people as well. And then they took them, like killed obviously a generation of people okay, and then taught them a new, new history. No, you wasn't that. This is where you came from, this country here, and you was a slave. And you're going to believe that just like the indigenous people in Australia, they killed the Aborigines. The Aborigines people, they killed a generation of Aborigines. I think it was in the 70s or so. I don't quote me on that. And then they re-educated them all, you know, to make it look like they were just some, just a piece of mm-hmm. doo-doo, you know? And that's how they always did it. That's how they always do it. So I'm, I'm, the issue I know is that black people were already in America when Columbus or whoever that guy was, he came across and um, discovered the place. And the fact that we think we're all slaves is further from the truth than we can believe. I'm not saying there was no slaves. Of course, there was people who came across on boats. But I think the majority of the slaves 
they took from America already and they took the natives captives and, and stuff like this. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would love to have, um, to, you know, be a principal or work in <laughs> school black. And I did, you know, um, one, one of the elementary schools I had worked before, worked before it was pretty much 99% black. I'm talking yeah. about teachers, students, and it was such a phenomenal experience mm -hmm. working at this school. Not only was it, it wasn't just the educational, it was the support to be able to watch black teachers of color yeah. um, speak fluently, speak freely yeah. about um, our history and yeah. educate our students on not just, you know, put your hands up, like support, you know, put your hands up in discrimination, mm -hmm. but no, literally teaching you tools that change, you know, our children. And I think back, even for myself, I loved going to this school every single day for three years. There was mm -hmm. nothing that I would do. I would go to school sick because of <laughs> the experience that I got being in a school where I was around older teachers, 32, 45 year tenure teachers mm -hmm. who taught about our race, yeah. our, you know, our, and not just the struggle, but talked about our history talked about the, the greatness of who we were. And they talked about historians that were never talked about. They talked about, you know, scientists. They talked about um, uh, revolutionaries that were not even ever even, that I never heard of even myself. And I yeah. am now, when I was working there, I was in my forties that I never even heard about. So it made me have to go back and go get, you know, go find books and it made me want to read more. So again, it was just this open, uh, dialogue and how you even talk to the children yeah. like when it came to disciplining them in behavior and how the expectation was higher not to say that it was higher where they were failing it was higher because we were able to have that connection with these children yeah. so that experience and so when i see these kids now they're 22 23 years old and they talk about um the elementary school just like i did i talked about we call it rama and Rama, and it was this experience that was just from its imagination. It would be nothing like it ever in this school district because of the experience. And they made sure that they, we went on HBCU field trips. We went to art, you know, when it came to field trips, we did just go to like the skate rink. We went on field trips that were, you know, that opened your mind to mm -hmm. wonder, opened your mind to just having a uh, another outlook of what your experience was and what you were and it was just great so yeah I, yeah i would be all for it all for it why not yeah why not sounds good yeah anyway what i would do is i recommend you guys um check out umar johnson dr umar johnson um and uh find out more about what he's doing because he's definitely onto something and i would love to actually one of my dreams and hopes is is once i start getting my english english classes up Yeah. Oh, so your camera's gonna be quiet. Um, I'm definitely hoping that once I've done my English classes up, I can start a, like a Saturday school with um, African teachers for the people in Germany and stuff like this, or like Black history, not just African history, but like Jamaican history, Caribbean history, even American history. You know, because you guys were all from the same same you know line. So 
yeah, that, that's that's my hopes and dreams for the next at least decade of my life. You know, get out of the way. Even Brazilian history, Brazilian history is very important as well. I think they hold a lot of stuff that we could wow. learn from. The, the thing is, the wall I realized with Brazil is because they speak Portuguese and they haven't really come across and caught, caught up to speed with speaking English. There's a lot of stuff that go missing in in Brazil. But once we can get these guys on the English train too and speak a, a common language with us. There's going to be a lot we'll learn from the Brazilians. Oh, they, were wow. the last, they were the last country to abolish slavery in it. So, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm about to, yes, I'm about to go on because I'm the same way. I, I learn every day from my kiddos. And yeah. again, there's so many other black history and, and experiences and cultures that I'm still learning. That's, that's why I love being a teacher because you get to learn and you, you know, can share that back, not yeah. just with yourself, with others and your kiddos. So, yes. Okay, Tanya, thank you. We made it. All right. We did the marathon. <laughs> yes, see you back on Thursday. Have a good yeah. evening. See you later. But oh, do see you want to say do you, do you want to promote anything? Do you want to say anything? Oh yeah. So again, if you I am Tanya Kelly. I live in Ohio for all my around the world listeners and viewers. <laughs> Check out Empower Are You. Support us. Donate to us. We are a national anti-bullying. Nonprofit now, nonprofit 501c3 organization. We're based in Columbus, Ohio, but we help all children from all over the United States. And we are having a lot of activities. They are virtual. So we would love to have students come and, you know, and be a part of our events. Our first one is our virtual, Cool Kids Virtual um, Vision Board Party. It's Saturday, January 23rd. It will be virtual. You can find all that information on social media under Empower Our Youth Foundation. You can go to our website and you can um, reserve your ticket for your child right there on the website at www.empoweroryouthfoundation.org. Happy New Year, everyone. Be blessed. It's 2021. Let's encourage, let's empower, and let's engage. See you yeah. next. See you on Thursday. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See bye. you later.